Welcome to day 76 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Judges chapters 10 through 12. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 10 opens with the brief accounts of two minor judges, Toal and Jair. They serve as a bridge to the story of Jephthah. The Jephthah narrative opens with the now familiar pattern, the Israelites again did what the Lord saw as evil. This time God hands them over to be oppressed by the Philistines and the Ammonites. Following that pattern, the Israelites cry out to God. But breaking the pattern, God refuses to rescue them this time. He responds, Go cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them rescue you in the time of your distress. However, consistent with God's character, in response to Israel's further repentance, God relents from his anger. Notice, though, that the text does not state that God raises up a judge or deliverer. God will help Jephthah, but he ends up being chosen by the people. In chapter 11, the two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side of the Jordan, or the Transjordan, are under threat by the Ammonites. In this text, all that land that the tribes inherited in the Transjordan will be known as Gilead, and the people will be known as Gileadites. The Gileadites make a mafia-like deal, straight out of the Godfather with Jephthah. Jephthah is a kid from Gilead with a questionable background who was run out of town, who later became a gang leader or warlord as he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. But now that people need a tough guy, they want him back, and he makes them an offer they can't refuse. Jephthah may have been the town bully, but he paid attention during Torah school. He negotiates with the Amorites and rehearses the whole history of Israel's relationship with them in an attempt to negotiate a peace. But with no peace possible, he prepares to go to war with them. As is typical of these stories about the judges, the text tells us that God's Spirit empowers Jephthah. But unfortunately, in the process of preparation for war, Jephthah makes a rash promise to God that he will sacrifice to the Lord the first thing that comes out of his house when he returns from battle. The typical Israelite house had two stories, and animals were given shelter at night in a section of the first floor, so it seems likely that he thought a sheep or a goat or ox might meet him first, and he would sacrifice them, and that's what he had in mind. To his dismay, his only child, an unnamed daughter, runs out to greet him after he returns from defeating the Ammonites. The story is narrated with very little judgment or drama, but it has a great deal of tragedy. The primary purpose of the text seems to be to describe the continual downward spiral of Israel's moral life. Their leaders, like Jephthah, don't even understand who Yahweh is or what Yahweh requires, especially in the light of some later stories that will come along in 2 Kings chapters 21 through 23 where Manasseh and the residents of Jerusalem begin to practice abominable child sacrifices connected to the god Molech, it would appear that this story is meant to be read by God's people with guilt and shame as they look back at the beginning of that moral decline that would lead to the tragedy with Manasseh. Just to add an interesting historical note, in the 12th century AD, the Jewish scholar Eben Ezra suggested that since sacrificing his daughter would be viewed as unacceptable to the Torah, Ezra proposed that Jephthah must have built his daughter a house where she lived both isolated and unmarried. That interpretation made its way into Christian interpretation about a century later. Because Jephthah is listed as a hero of faith in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 verse 32, 
it began to be thought inappropriate that Jephthah would have gone through with the sacrifice. In fact, this way of thinking carried into the preaching and writing of John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, and Adam Clark. Scholars in the last century have tended to take the text more at face value and see it as narrating the moral decline of Israel and talking about the ethical ambiguity of its leaders during this period of the judges. Chapter 12 opens with tribal squabbles among the Israelites. The tribe of Ephraim is upset with Jephthah that he did not call them to participate in the battle against the Ammonites, and thus they weren't able to be included in the spoils of war. This led not only to an internal battle, but a history of bigotry between the citizens of Gilead and the Ephraimites. The text describes how when the people of Gilead took control of the territory, they didn't allow Ephraimite fugitives to pass through. You see, the Hebrew letters seen and sheen are almost identical. They kind of look like the letter W in English, only there's a dot placed either over one point on the left or over on the right. The Ephraimites, replacing the sheen with the seen, would say the word Shibboleth incorrectly, or at least incorrectly from the perspective of the Gileads, and they would be mocked and killed. This rightly seems like terrible behavior. However, every time I read the story, I think about our own history of mistreating foreigners or immigrants who are trying to learn a new language, but who speak it with their uniquely beautiful accent and sometimes then can be made fun of or misused by us. Jephthah only led for six years and then he died. His story is bookended by sets of minor judges. The chapter ends with the brief account of Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. The five minor judges before and after Jephthah rule collectively led the people for 70 years, an interesting round number symbolizing completion. Before I finish my thoughts on the text for today, I thought I'd tell you a funny personal story about Jephthah. A number of years ago, it was during the summer, I decided to put together a sermon series out of the hard text from the Old Testament. I'd read a couple of books on them and noticed how none of those texts ever show up in the lectionary, so we hardly ever not only preach about them, but we hardly ever even hear them read in church, including the story of Jephthah sacrificing his daughter. And so I put together about an eight or ten week sermon series out of these hard texts, and when I got to the story of Jephthah, I preached the sermon about how we as adults, and in particular the men oftentimes in the room, feel like we are driven to all sorts of commitments and pursuits of success, and we can even convince ourselves that we're doing them in the name of God or as promises that we made back to God. But in the end, we may not sacrifice our children, but we do end up, in a sense, sacrificing them because of these commitments that we've made. But I made the point of the sermon that I don't think God is ever going to call us to anything that causes us to sacrifice our children in the process. And I thought it was a really good sermon based out of Jephthah, but the funny part is, oftentimes when I will lay out calendars, I will pay attention to the Christian or holy holidays, obviously, things like Christmas and Lent and Easter and Pentecost, etc. But I'll sometimes forget the Hallmark holidays, what I call them, like Mother's Day and Father's Day, etc., And so it was about two weeks away from the Sunday when I was going to preach the text when I realized, oh my word, I have put the sermon about Jephthah on Father's Day. And I had printed out a calendar and there was no way to get out of it. But I will say, in the providence of God, it turned out to be a really important thing to say, even on a Father's Day. And so every Father's Day, I think about pulling that Jephthah sermon back out, but I haven't done it yet. 
but I still think it's a great story for us to reflect on. Because it's sad when God's people don't truly know God, and it's even more tragic when their leaders don't really know God's character or reflect that character either. But that's why we're on this journey, so we can know God in all of God's fullness. So read these texts carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, your prayers, and questions. And discern not only what God wants from you, but also what God doesn't want from you. Our readings for tomorrow are Judges chapters 13 through 15 and Psalm 32. I'll talk to you tomorrow.